Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Chris Emke. And I'm Alex Hogue. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, today we are going to dive into the history of the 2.8 liter LWN Duramax. Uh, we'll talk about the the background of it, the build of it, and we'll even get into some of the upgrades. I'm pretty excited to do this today. I can't wait for you to teach us a little bit about this, Paul. Uh, I'll tell you what. I I actually, this is one of the few episodes that I've had to put in like actual research hours on. We've done other history of episodes and those always people always seem we get a lot of good feedback about them people always seem to really like them this is probably one of the first like research-esque style like history episodes that we've done where we've been around for the platform since its inception and its growth yeah you know all the other engines i mean they were out either a before we were born or b (laughs) before we got into diesel right so you know, I remember when the first 2016, it was a green four-door short bed truck came to our shop for some R&D. And That's right. Not so long after we ended up getting ours. So. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's uh, it's been fun to, to see the 2.8 liter. It's something I think the three of us all have some experience driving and being around and helping with tuning and turbo insulation and things like that. So yeah. so you're right. Yeah, this is, this is a pretty unique one. Uh, and there is actually a surprising amount of good content out there to research about the history. Way back in the day, uh, I, I have, was privileged uh, to be able to in, interview Nicola Menarini, who yeah. was a uh, chief engineer of uh, that platform. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into that. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, of course, Exergy Performance, uh, the absolute leaders in common rail fuel injection system so if you need injectors pumps lines crossover tubes whatever it is fuel additive right uh if you're thinking about your common rail fuel system you're thinking about exergy performance and wc fab your one-stop shop for honestly anything crazy that you want to modify under the hood of a truck if i have a bone stock you know ford if i have a bone stock chevy if i have a bone stock ram and i want to personalize it and i really want to make it my own you got to go check over over at wc fab you could do any color under the sun you can literally color code your intercooler piping to your coolant pipes to your coolant reservoir they do brake reservoir covers like traction bars uh, they have grill inserts for some trucks to match like you could get pretty wild and really make your truck a one of a kind so you know check them out for uh, any of your modification needs xdp your one-stop shop for power and performance uh they're based out of new jersey they service the entire country we've worked with xdp for a long time uh when you call over there and you work with the guys you're going to deal with somebody who's knowledgeable and has access to pretty much anything under the sun when it comes to your diesel pickup truck yeah. and then last calibrated power solutions paul that's where we work right so we're blessed to uh you know have uh, pretty good employment over the years doing what we love um but you know anything common rail tuning wise you know emissions equipped that's what you know calibrated power is all about and then they have the stealth branded turbo line for a bunch of different trucks for drop-in chargers to get your truck to the next level Absolutely. Well said. All right. Diving into the history of the LWN, the 2.8 liter Duramax. Now, this is uh, the four-cylinder Duramax. Do you remember, oh, God, what what was the size of that F-150 that came out in a diesel? Was that a three liter? I think that was a, I think that was a three liter. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That that ran for a short time. Yeah. Uh, Alex, have you ever come across any customers with a three liter F-150 Never. diesel? Not once. Very rare. We had one for a short time. We did. Uh, I got to drive it and take some pictures of it. And and it was it reminded me of the cruise platform really really cool for a super small niche group of people yep. and it just never took off the 2.8 liter on the other hand really took this market by storm you know it's just it's crazy cuz internally for what we do Paul you know over at calibrated we could almost 
profile these individuals that had these trucks. And if you remember, we'll go down a trip down memory lane. The the 2.8 was actually, from what I remember, was supposed to be released like a year or two prior, about a year prior, and it was delayed because of the Volkswagen scandal, Yeah. right? So now the 2.8 starts to come out, uh, fall of 2015, and you're seeing a lot of people that, you know, the, the 2.8 fit like two different markets. It was the guy that had the Volkswagen that was doing the buyback, and they're like, oh, shit, what's the new hot ticket? The 2.8. They were able to get a little bit bigger vehicle that still got really respectable economy um, and and had really decent driving characteristics, right? Yeah. Then you had the other guy who loved diesel, always had a pickup truck, but never needed a full-size pickup truck. Well, the 2.8 kind of bridged that gap because it had some of the same towing capacity as some of the half tons on the market at that time, and it was diesel. That's right. right. So it was really cool to see. And, you know, it was one of those, Paul, we've been over at Calibrated to handle a lot of product releases, a lot of platform support releases. The 2.8, in in my mind, over the last decade has been one of the more popular, just hit the boots running type of uh, platform to, to start supporting. It, it really, really was. Uh, and and we, we did find that these these owners generally, uh, and I am going to paint with a pretty broad brush here, uh, generally are very, very detail-orientated, oh, yeah. really into the stats and the specs, oh, yeah. uh, really into reading instructions and things like that. That's not I'm not saying that sarcastically. They are the type of guy it's not a bad who thing. read their yeah. owner's manual when they bought the vehicle, yeah. which if you're that guy... Be proud of it, yeah. right? We, we love that. Uh, so those guys already know that this is an, an I-4, uh, four-cylinder layout, or an inline four, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it is a variant of the XLD uh, in the non-US and Canada market. So if you're talking about Europe, uh, they've actually had this basic blueprint, this this platform for a long time. I mean, these engines have been in the Trailblazer and the Colorados overseas, you know, Australia, New Zealand, since I want to say it was like 2013, 2014. So, you know, we, we had seen that those vehicles were out and about for several years, you know, overseas before it came domestic. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been manufactured in Thailand for a long time. That's a great, great point. Uh, it's a variant of the XLD, or I'm sorry, it's a based on the VM Motari A428. Uh, so that's just the, what yeah. the engine is. GM bought Motari. So when uh, you see and do Googling, right, because that's what we used to do, yeah. we'd go on Google and be like, oh, look at these badass little regular cab drag trucks banging <laughs> limiter, blowing smoke. That was that Motari engine platform that was the prede- you know later predecessor into where we're at now. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, so once GM bought them, they brought them on, they developed them to come over to uh, the U.S. market, like Chris said, uh, late 2015, you could buy a model 2016, yep. model year 2016. Uh, they've always been rated at 181 horsepower and 369 foot-pounds. So 16, it's now 23. So they've they've been out for like seven years. Yep. They've never changed the horsepower rating. I can't think of a single other Duramax platform that has run that time span without any power increases. What I think is really unique with the 2.8 is, you know, it's been the same control modules, right? Yeah. Um, it's been the same turbocharger. Yep. The only thing that I'm aware of that's that's changed, like the operating systems have changed, you know, throughout the years. Um, but the injector actually changed. So 16 to 18 is one injector, and then 19 plus is a different style injector. And I can only believe that it has to do with emission standards. It's the only thing that makes logical sense in my head. 
But, uh, you know, it is unique. I mean, they never changed the LWN naming clature right, of yeah. that engine. They never, you know, changed any of that stuff up. But I guess, then again, what, now, it, you what say, are they competing you say against? it's different? Is it different the way, like, an, LL, an LBZ and an LMM injector are different? But, like, no, you the can't, connectors and pigtails You can't are really physically put... Yeah, we've had experiences with customers and you know it's kind of like the early stages of this you couldn't buy a set of injectors and be sent an 18 injector and stick it in a 19 they physically will not install really so they are different the profiles are different okay. so you know that was one thing that i thought was interesting but you know the one thing when we think of the big three you know you think of four gm ram and you think of 25 3500s and they're always in this horsepower and torque and towing capacity war who did the who did the LWN have to compete against? Like, as a small mini pickup truck goes, there was nothing diesel in its class. You know, it wasn't until several years later, you know, the F-150, you know, the three-liter power stroke, um, and then several years after Which that- Which is a much larger truck. Much larger truck. It's still not a mini truck, right? Yeah. You're talking a half ton. Um, so there, there was never anything in its class to compete against. You know, and you know, I have a bone to pick with GM. How come we never got a diesel trailblazer? Like that'd be super. <laughs> yeah, that would be sick. That would be so much fun. Like, why didn't we get that? So, you know, it's it's interesting to see. You know, like to your point, Paul. Oh well, the horsepower and torque never increased, but did it need to? Was there a demand? Well, Who were they competing against? Well, th- this is what I've I've found to be surprising about the three liter fifteen hundred that's out. That that now they're putting that three mm-hmm. liter into the the suburbans and the Escalades yeah. and things like that. So so they're starting to expand into yeah. that market. Uh, I would love, and maybe that's what we need to do: is reach out to GM and get an engineer, get somebody, somebody from the program in board, and say, okay, why not stick the two point eight liter in that, or why not put the three liter in this? I, the cubic inch isn't that far off. No, it's like, not. Clearly, one thing could be str- like you could re-engineer it to use one yeah. engine. So, what's the benefit? Now, we've heard a lot of rumors about this two point eight liter going away. I don't know if we've had anything official from it's GM. Gone. It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Twenty three. It's a it's a turbo gas engine. That's it. It's a two seven turbocharged gas. So the two eight died in twenty two. From yeah, if, that... if I'm accurate with that. Okay. Um, so so yeah, you know there there is that. Like the two eight is dead. You know now they're starting to push more of turbocharged gas engines. You see the three liter in the suburban. I'm wondering if it's not a fitment thing. You know, because the Colorado Canyon, like, it is a small truck, and it is a small engine bay. Sure. Um, When you look at, you know, the half ton, and you look at, like, a Suburban, like, there is physically more room in the engine. You know, you're talking an inline six versus an inline four. I mean, there's a lot more length there that gets taken up with the two extra cylinders. And in in addition to that, Chris, too, you know, my first time driving experience was with the 2.8. Right out the bat, I was like, oh, this feels like a 2004 Ford Ranger. Like you got that, it's the same ride height. It's that same sort of feeling of a, a small, you know, late '90s, early 2000s, you know, truck. Yeah. No, no, that's a really good point. It is, it, it, it is a very different experience driving the the Colorado compared to the 1500. Yeah, there's no, I mean, you drive a 1500. I mean, Alex, you know, you were part of the video that we did a few months back that you know Justin did for us, um, and it was kind of like the release of you know the three liter support that we offered. You get into a three liter, like the ride plushiness is a lot more forgiving than a, a three quarter or a one ton. But don't let that fool you. Like the truck itself is the same size as a three quarter or a one ton, you know, depending yeah. on configuration. So, you know, the only time you're going to get that micro truck feeling is going to be in in a Colorado Canyon style truck. And they are so light. They are. They, they're just they're very they're fun, to, fun to drive. They are. They're so much um, fun. 
yeah, I've been caught on a couple of back roads going faster than I should trying to hit those curves. I remember we had hold. I remember we had a twin turbo truck for for a while. It was a an R and D test uh, joint effort with WC Fabinus. Yeah, and um, I remember uh, I had to take a, a trip down to Worley one day, and you know it's a lot of back roads from here to WC Fab, and you know it was a twin turbo, it was a white crew cab truck, real cool truck, and. Uh, you know, going on the back road, I'm like, man, this thing really has got some good pep. Look down, doing 90. I'm like, okay, this is effortless. <laughs> you know, they just wanted to go. Uh, it, it, it was, as we were talking about, it's it's the first four-cylinder diesel that GM's offered, yeah. uh, at least in the U.S. market. Well, in, in the truck world, right, because you, you have the cruise. You know, that was a four-cylinder, too. That was. That was. Um, so, you're right. I'm sorry. First one in a it's truck. Okay. Um, I just like when you admit I'm right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it will never happen again. Um, it, it it got started to expand into the vans. Remember when they first came out in the Savannah vans? Yeah. And like it was like the work van only. You can yep. get it in a diesel. We still see a few of them on the road today. Have you come across dealing with any of those customers, Alex? Never. Okay. They're, they're few and far between. Um, the one thing that I will say in regards to this conversation, uh, to loop it back a little bit, what we are seeing is a lot of these 2.8 owners are trading up for the three liters now and kind of like what we were saying there's two types of owners for them you've got the ones that are completely by the book all about the numbers and love these trucks and then you got the other guys who you know probably a little bit older probably always had trucks never had a need had the 2.8s loved them next things out now they're going for three liters well, i think the 2.8 it, it held a, a, a really unique market right like I don't know if the the S10 crowd really gravitated towards a diesel mini truck. Yeah. Right. Like that. That wasn't the demographic. The demographic was I'm a diesel oriented individual. I love mileage. And you really saw, I own a big truck, no longer need it. Or again, I had a TDI. I had a Chevy Cruze diesel. I had some type of, of of you know fuel savings diesel car and the truck kind of bridged that gap. And to your point, you know, for the guys that had a 16 or a 17 28, where do you go from here, right? Like if you wanted to buy a new truck in the year of 23, you don't have that platform as an option. So naturally, you're going to go into, you know, like one of the 3 liters. Well, I think the price point jump too to go to anything larger is pretty pretty significant. It's significant. Right? You know, the other thing I think of is I have had the luxury and I'm very thankful for being able to tow with both a three liter and with a two eight, right? So we talk about displacement and the engine and the spacing and the sizing, which are all great questions, and I would love to get those questions answered. I can tell you that a two eight, that two eight's got some spunk to it. Like I could probably hook up, you know, seven thousand pounds behind me and do what I need to do. I've had five, six thousand pounds behind me and it's it's done the the job well. How does it stop? So that's kind of where I'm baiting into this, right? So um, going over bumps and the trailer, the tongue of the trailer moving the ass end, you know, it's a very soft ass end in, in one of those, right? The suspension's yeah. just very light. When you get underneath and look at a Colorado or Canyon, the frame is very small. It's very dainty. Um, so the stability with that load is is not really supported well. Now, you get into a three liter right the 1500 half ton in i've had the luxury of towing 7000 7500 pounds with that truck and it does it well like stability wise it's there the braking is there the only thing i'll say is go over a bump or kind of take a turn and the, the, the rear end of that truck just wants to go it's not planted like a 25 or a 3500 yeah. so you know that's where i would say you know like the 1500 really does bridge that gap where to <laughs> alex's point you know you could see kind of 
the, the people gravitate, you know, guys gravitate towards that over, you know, sticking with a gas engine or, you know, the full-size truck. That makes sense. Uh, now, this is the cleanest emissions diesel ever produced by GM in 2016. Yeah. So, uh, you're right. We did have some some cruise stuff out there. Uh, yeah. Cruise di- diesels didn't last that long. Um, and I wonder why that is the cleanest emission diesel ever produced by GM at that point. And, again, I keep thinking back memory lane, and there was a delay with this truck going to market because of the VW stuff. Yeah. And then, if you recall, when those trucks first were released, there were trucks that were going in for two or three recalls a year with GM updates, which we all knew were to get better control over the emissions controls of these trucks. That's right. So That's right. Uh so injection system, it's funny we bring this up too because uh, as you look at this, they had already GM had already had a chance to learn about diesel emissions and diesel emissions control through the LML platform. Yep. Right. I mean, your your LML had already been out with tier four emissions. They got urea, they got you know SCR, mm-hmm. DOC, yep. DPF, EGR, the whole the, the whole shebang, all the all the alphabet. Um, <laughs> and so they had already kind of seen, hey, this works, this doesn't work, and then they. Once you smash that down into a smaller platform, it becomes harder to control. Right. Uh, you, you know, your your operating range is much more narrow once you're into this. And one of the advantages that these trucks had was matching it with the GM Hydromatic 6L50 transmission. Well-known transmission mm-hmm. uh, to be reliable. Honestly, we've beaten the shit out of these transmissions. Now, and be careful, because if you have a 2.8 guy that's listening to this, he might give you a run for your money and say <laughs> otherwise. The the 6L50 trans is a good trans. Yeah. The question and the issues that we've seen over the years has to do with the torque converter. There you okay? go. And running in the torque converter issues. So it sucks because a lot of end users will group the trans as being a pile of shit when it was the converter that was potentially the culprit. Yeah. And it's crazy because, you know, throughout the years, you know, we've tuned a lot of these trucks. Like, no exaggeration, probably it's up there in platform as far as support that we've had. And it's not common. It's not as common as a lot of people think to have these transmissions fail prematurely. To your point, like our test truck, that thing had multiple turbo configurations on there. We towed, drag strip, dyno pulls. That thing has, to this day, the original trans and the original you know, uh, converter in that truck. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had customers come in here with you know, quarter million miles, stock everything, you know, stock trans, stock converter. So... It stinks because then in the next breath, I've had customers that have forty thousand miles on their trucks and they've had two converters in there already. Right. I do always. I do always wonder because I've launched our two point eight liter. I mean, not real hard. It's emissions equipped. It's it's a two eight. You know how? What what am I going to build twenty pounds of boost at the line? Probably. But I've launched. (laughs) (laughs) I've launched it. Four wheel drive good. I've okay. Not not in that truck. but no, but I have launched it at like 10, 15 PSI to really yeah. kind of see, you know, hey, can it take it? I mean, usually you'd probably be recommended to like kick off around five PSI is probably all you really need to, to build. Uh, but it's always handled it. Uh, and running down some of the some of the back roads we're talking about, I mean, I've been on and off that throttle about as hard as I could. Um, and again, it's just, it's taken the abuse and yeah. it shifts smooth to this day. Yeah. You know, when we do trans service or anything like that, we take a look at it, we just, we can't find... Yeah. And any indication of failure in it, and so that that's good, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think a lot of these trucks are getting worked quite as hard as we're kicking the shit out of no, ours. No, no, I don't think. I mean, it's a commuter truck at the end of the day, right? Like that's what it's designed for, and I think that's what its main application is going to be used for. Um, 
you know, but I like to your point, yeah, I would say, you know, between the different turbo configurations, we've had probably five or six on that truck throughout the years. Yeah. And that truck's, you know, seen a, a host of different workloads. So I would say if there was going to be a failure, it'd be there. Speaking of turbochargers, that is one of the common failure points in these turbo in these yeah. trucks. Uh, and it's not necessarily the entire turbo it's exploding. A, it's an abnormal failure. Like, it's it, not... It's not what we're used to in the bigger diesel pickup truck arena where the turbochargers bend fins. Like they, they physically yeah. deteriorate or bend the compressor fin. And when you look at the turbocharger, they are brittle, they are small, the blades are very thin. Um, and the engines, they, they tend to like to recirculate a, a little bit of oil, you know, through the crankcase ventilation. So that all gets re-ingested back into the inlet of the turbocharger where, you know, it's real common to find the two eight guys, they'll put like catch cans, you know, yeah. on the truck to kind of help filter some of that. Um, but I would say like, you know, we offer the drop in turbo over at calibrated, you know, DT 44, it's been very popular for us, but a lot of the replacements aren't necessarily because guys are looking for more power. It, it has to do with the fact that, you know, the compressor fins are, are bending or prematurely failing, and that's where some of those downfalls come in. That's right, yeah. Uh, Alex, you want to walk us through some of the specs of this engine? Yeah, I would love to here. Um, you know, like Chris was saying, in addition, you know, stock, these things will only make 181 horsepower. Um, but in addition to that, you know, it's an iron block cylinder, um, aluminum dual overhead cams, um, forged steel crankshaft, connecting rods. Um, in addition to that, you know, 16 to 1 compression ratio, which I think for one of these smaller trucks is a big thing to bring up on why they're so good with their fuel economy. Walk me through that. Why does 16 to half to 1 compression ratio help with fuel economy? So... With a higher compression ratio like that, you're burning off fuel more evenly. You're getting less, you know, that's building up on your cylinder heads. You're getting less that's coming out of the crank because crank case vent. You're getting all of these um, factors when you have that. And again, too, kind of like what we were talking about with how to get 30 miles per gallon with a diesel. You know, if you're at the right RPMs, you know, 2,000, 1,500, doing 60, 65 miles an hour back roads, highway driving, that is going to play into that here as well to get you those sorts of numbers and why this is a really strong, simple engine. Yeah, they really did think this one through. And, that, and that's one of the things that I think about it being based off of a platform that has already existed for a while, right. uh, is they've been able to learn some stuff about this. Like it, it, It's interesting, too, some of the some of the indications that I don't think I realized in 2016 when they came out. It had a Denso high-pressure pump that right. wasn't normal for GM. Not for us. Look at what came out in the L5P. Right. Uh, it had solenoid-type injectors. Keep in mind, your LMLs had piezo-based injectors, yeah. so a different style of controlling the fuel delivery system right inside of the injector. Uh, so they had gone – solenoid is what, what Duramaxes had run on forever. LML came out. They went to piezo. Uh, the theory there was that it would be able to open and close the injector faster. It's essentially right. what piezo came down to. Um, and then move back to the solenoid type. I wonder if that's a reliability issue because we saw that also uh, the same, again, Denso pump, solenoid type injectors, That those were some of the major changes from yeah. the LML to the L5P. But you also see, like, I've seen and we've had extra G on in the past, and it's not uncommon to see a piezo injector go 
a little further in mileage compared to a solenoid based injector. Yeah. So I, I wonder what what that change was. Like, was it a political thing where, you know, hey, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, we're going to get these injectors in this motor? Was it a, hey, you know, like this is a better design because of a control perspective? Like, yeah. it's interesting to see. The one thing that we can all agree on is as these injectors have been produced in these newer engines, the stock injector has the capabilities of being turned up to support more power than what it replaced in the past. Yeah, yeah, we, we continuously are seeing an increase in common rail pressure. Yep. So the actual pressure running through the common rail, the actual pressure that the injector is spraying at, those two numbers keep climbing up uh, in, in a, a an effort to increase atomization. So what you want to see is you want to see your fuel turned to complete mist. Yep. It needs to, to burn evenly. It needs to be spread out across the entire cylinder at the same density uh, of fuel to air yep. across the whole cylinder. And then once that compresses, that's going to give you a really, really clean burn. Anytime you have pockets or or a lower rate of atomization, you're going to get more smoke. And that's obviously going to be bad for your emissions equipment, for your fuel mileage, all those things. So uh, I think somebody once told me that the only reason we modify, or the only reason that the OEMs have ever gotten better about making diesels is for more horsepower to piss off the competitors, or for better emissions equipment to appease the government. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that makes sense. Sounds like the two driving forces. Check, check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the ceramic glow plugs uh, for shorter heat up times and higher glow temperatures. I thought that was an interesting change as well. That's like one of those small things that I think speaks to the level of detail thought that they put into this. We know that your vehicle makes the the highest amount of emissions, the worst emissions will come out when your vehicle's cold. So uh, everything designed in newer trucks nowadays is to get your truck up to temp as quickly as possible, and that's going to be better for treating the the exhaust gas. Well, the thing too, you know, you think of, you know, go try to do a cold start in our in our cold climate in our cold areas with a LB7 or an LLY. And then do that same cold start in an LML or a 2.8, right? Like yeah. it's a lot more effortless to be able to get one of the newer platforms because of the technology, because of that heat up and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things is they do a balance shaft that contributes to smoothness in what drives the oil pump. The engine itself and the harmonics are very smooth, very solid. Like once again, which has been a big flaw in four-cylinder diesels. It That's has one been. of the reasons that a lot of guys haven't got into them is they're yep. so noisy. They're very, very noisy, clattery. It's hard to keep them. And balanced. you can physically see the engine shake as it's idling yeah and, and the 28 I, I think yes it's loud it's chattery right it's a four cylinder right but uh in its own right it is smooth and very harmonic and it's in it's in its own operation yeah go line it up next to a a four cylinder cummins right like yeah one no of the for sure ones here. there's, it's, there's it's no a night and day difference uh biodiesel compatible b20 compatible yeah. i thought that was that's pretty much standard now i know in diesels that's, it has to be but it has to be but still i think it was one of those of of them engineering for every possibility we did a huge uh a month on biodiesel fuel in general and interviewed a ton of people in the biodiesel world if you're interested go back check out those episodes um man chris you know what we never did was we never did pull pour that bottle of vegetable oil into somebody's fuel tank We're still no. waiting to do that i remember that guy told us we should do that yeah we should one of these days yep. we'll do it to your truck uh <laughs> all right <laughs> uh nvh so that that's what we were just talking about nvh noise vibration hard uh harshness i believe yeah. is is what nvh is so a lot of things were built around this vehicle with nvh in mind trying to keep it quiet trying to keep it uh what i would call and i don't mean this to be a derogatory term but what i would call white friendly 
Yeah. Right? It's like you, you should be able to throw anybody in it, and they enjoy driving it. And I, I definitely think that they've achieved that. Uh, Garrett ball bearing VGT turbocharger. Pretty standard for yeah, GM. It's smaller. We talked about the the compressor wheel. The compressor. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely a, a basic flaw there. Now, one of the things that's unique is the dual overhead camshafts. You know, uh, a lot of the diesel engines in in today's market in the bigger trucks, they're not an overhead cam. Um, now you get into like you know some of the smaller four cylinder diesel stuff that's out there. You know, it's a potential. It's going to be a dual overhead cam, but you know the Cummins, the Duramax. The power stroke; those are not dual overhead cam or overhead cam in general. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then the four valves per cylinder. Now we've seen, you know, it's pretty much a standard to have four valves per cylinder in a diesel. You know, you haven't seen two valves per cylinder. Uh, shoot, man, I might shoot myself in the foot here, but since like a twelve valve yeah. Cummins, right? I think you're um, right. You know, which the twenty four valve again, emission standard one hundred one, kind of improve on the efficiency and stuff like that. Um, and then the emissions controls. So you know, to your point, Paul, it's like that tier four, final tier emission standard. You know, you have DOC, you have SCR, you have DPF, you have EGR, you have PCV, you have all of it. All of it. The whole alphabet, baby. The whole, got it. The whole nine, man. You got it all. <laughs> now, some of the cool things with the 2.8 that, you know, you don't really think of, right? When I think of, oh, I'm going to buy a mini truck, you know, call it a mini truck. It is what it is. They offered exhaust braking. Yeah, I I kind of scoffed when I first saw this yeah. spec. And, and I, I, had, I remember 2.8 customers, tuning customers, asking about the exhaust brake. Yeah. And I'm like, you're never going to. Yeah. Like, like you're going to throw at the most, you know, five bags of mulch in the bed. And that That's about what you're going to haul. And that's fine. That's that's more than what I haul. Um, so I'm, I'm totally cool with it. So, uh, but yeah, it does have it. Um, I can tell you from my experience, I've, and maybe this is just being spoiled by full-size trucks, but I've never noticed it when I was driving. I think I've gotten, uh, I felt it once. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so it's. It's there. It's there. There's it's a, on the spec sheet. There's a button you can hit. There is. Right. Yeah. Do I feel it or notice? Eh, well, I when it, so when the button turns yellow, it's on. Yeah. So, yeah. But do I feel it? But it's on. my question. <laughs> <laughs> you feel through your eyes. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, feel with your eyes, man. Feel with your eyes. <laughs> uh, integrated trailer brake. Again, kind of the Pretty assumption you're going to be towing. But yes, that's like a standard with is. all the new trucks. It's, you know, it's your tw- By the time you hit 2016, yeah. why would you buy something that has a pickup bed and not have trailer brakes integrated? I it's a hard one for me to understand. It's crazy to think of like an 01 to like 10 era truck. Yeah. You would have two screws going into the kick panel and you had a brake controller chilling yes. with some wires. Yes. That, that nobody, goes away in 2011, that my friend. That nobody but you knew how to actually get 100%. it to work right. I don't yes. even think I knew how to act. Yeah. 100%. Yes. No. Well, I also remember getting in, in company trucks that had those stupid trailer brake yeah. modules and- I go to hit the brakes with a trailer on. And I'm like, is it off? Like, what would, who fucking who would turn this off? Like, why would you turn this off? Uh, yeah, so I've had some frustration there. Six uh, L50 six speed automatic transmission. We mentioned that before. Centrifugal, centrifugal. Anybody? Centrifugal. I believe Chris is right on that one. Centrifugal. Not the way that's spelled in English. Uh, pendulum vibration absorber. You can tell I know what the fuck this is. Yeah, 100%. You can tell I deal with this. I never deal with it's this. Like it, I so didn't it, even know it existed. This is clearly canuder. me copying and pasting somebody else's word so I can understand This works with the canuder it. valve for the blinker fluid. Oh, 
Got so, it. There you go. Perfect. Uh, it is to reduce noise and vibration. So it's a it's an NVH initiative. And then they pair it with a 342 gear, which just means it's going to do awesome on the highway. That's really yeah. – I, I remember, I think, Nick, when he first got his – Everybody was asking what kind of fuel mileage, what kind of fuel mileage, what kind of fuel mileage. Uh, and he wrote up something that was like, listen, I I was drafting a semi on a two-lane highway at 58 miles an hour, and I got exactly 40 miles to the gallon. I don't know that it'll ever do better, and I don't care if it does or doesn't. No. Like, that's that's about, I mean, 40 miles to the gallon, even in a mini truck, it's like, that's still fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Upgrades, Chris. This is this is probably where where you know the most. This is our we'll this is the this. shameless plug. We get to highlight our calibrated power catalog. That's, well, and it's not just us. I got some other yeah, things couple, on here. A couple, right. a couple I'm going to disagree with too from end user experience. Okay, so okay. We're, we're gonna well, we're, let's start with number one. It. The first thing you should do if you want to get more out of your vehicle, it's tuning without a doubt. And I'm not just saying that because I work over at Calibrated. That is going to physically be the best bang for your buck, where you can take X amount of money invested into programming and you are physically going to get something out of it as a improvement to how the truck currently operates no better dollar per horsepower not at all if you actually sit down and do the math it's it's the I, cheapest thing you could do I would your even truck just, to get the most out of it i would it. just say dollar per experience you know like you yeah. can't put a dollar on that experience altogether because that is single-handedly what's going to shape the outcome of how the truck operates especially on these trucks the first uh -huh. time i drove one stock we actually i think we did a video of it of me and nick for the podcast so there's probably a podcast episode you guys can listen to as well uh i drove it stock and then he flashed yep. it uh and i was like man it felt stock it felt like there was a tennis ball under the gas pedal yeah. like like you've been you, using you, that term for like nine years i am annoyed to this day but yes it's so accurate 100 it is so it is. it's so exactly what was going on i yeah. hate you um <laughs> all right number two alex what was number two on the list it's gonna be an smb intake uh by far for the 2.8s it's the best one i've ever seen on them um again first impressions uh we've tuned a lot of these 2.8s in house the two biggest things that they get is tuning and an intake mm -hmm. and then usually about three to six months later they're going to come back for a turbo or ask you know hey what else can i do to this to get more out of it so what are your thoughts on cold air intakes on these trucks so against a lot of the bigger trucks like the factory air box is fairly restrictive we've done a bunch of testing on this in the past you legitimately can put a tune on a truck put it in the biggest power level run it swap intakes and you will see a difference with intake air temps which is essentially letting the turbocharger operate uh, a little bit more efficiently for one yep. two uh, we are going to see a little bit of a broader power band in the mid rpm window because the turbo isn't sucking air as aggressively um so it is a smart move like it, it really is you know for what an snb air intake is there's other options on the market right we're not going to just say hey it's got to be this intake yeah, yeah, yeah um but an air intake on a tuned 2.8 is going to benefit you um in more ways than one and it, Yes, it's not going to gain the type of power that the tuner is, but it's also not coming at the same price point as what the tuner is either. Right, so yeah. it's a really nice combo. Three, four hundred bucks puts you in yeah. the ballpark. I mean, you can pretty you could shop around at that price too. Exactly, like you said. I mean, we I wrote S and B on here. That's just the intakes that we have on the shelf. I'll tell you, if Worley makes an intake for these, I'd take a Worley intake huh? over it just because I would like it to be powder coating and functional. Yeah. So, like, I would like it. I would like the best of both worlds. You're going to spend a little bit more money on that yeah. and have a little bit longer of a wait time. But I think you're going to be happier at the end of the day. 
Uh, number three, Chris, what do we got up now, there? So for three, you put an edge in sight, right? Rightfully so. We deal with them on the bigger trucks. It's I nice. wouldn't list number three as an edge in sight on a 6.6 liter. I would only list it as number three on a 2.8 liter, but please okay. go ahead. So I do think gauges are important, especially yeah. depending on how you're going to be using the truck, especially considering that the 2.8 crowd are a little bit more analytical. Yes, right? that's why. Um, but the edge, in all honesty, and it really pains me to say this because the edge is by far one of my favorite monitoring systems, it really doesn't cater to the 2.8 crowd all that well. Yeah. Um, so as much as it hurts to say that the iDash from Banks is actually going to be a little bit more of a universal tool that's going to give a 2.8 owner a little bit more versatility to monitor engine uh, PIDs. I don't. I don't disagree. If you're so, willing to make the investment to get the expansion modules and and that's and run everything that you and need that, for there, it. There's nothing against the banks. It's no. Yeah. The hardware is a little more on a dated side compared to the edge. I like the edge. You know, features. I like to display more. Um, I like the size of the screen more than I like the iDash. The iDash is just a little bit smaller, a little bit more uh, harder to read in yeah. that sense. Um, but it's essentially the difference between analog and digital. Correct. But the, the the functionality of the the banks is going to be more more in tune with a two eight guy. Just I, I agree. Out. I wholeheartedly agree with this, by the way, uh, which pains me to say. Yep. Um, but yes, no, no, you're absolutely right. I will say that the the edge, the easy installation. If you're cool with getting like eighty percent of the data. Oh, then it's edge all day long. The edge all day yeah. long. If you are obsessed and you want to know every detail, you want to be able to monitor factory EGT sensors. The edge won't. The banks will. Right. Uh, manual regens, I believe, the banks can do, and the edge won't on those. So it's yeah. just there's these little things like when I when I would recommend an edge to a two eight guy or to anybody. Um, it can do all these things, but can it do this? No. But this hardware can. Okay, well, then that's why I want for that one function. Right. It doesn't matter that it's harder to look at. It doesn't matter if it's harder to set up. It doesn't matter if it's not as aesthetically pleasing. It has that one option that the other one doesn't, and that's why I want to go with it. That's so. that's 100% accurate. And also, uh, usually I, I tell guys with, with larger trucks, if I'm talking to them about it, I'm like, um, are you going to like actually analyze your data? Yeah. Are you going to stop when the when the warning light blinks because your EGTs are too high? Are you the guy who's going to pull over and care about that? Okay, go with the gauges. Right. If you're a guy who says the easiest way to fix high EGTs is turn off your EGT PID, yeah. it doesn't matter. Don't you don't need it. Yeah. I've never met a 2.8 liter guy who would say that. No, no. So that that's where, where this rank three. Uh, now number four. Yeah, and I'm going to switch things up. It is very common in the 2.8 world from a reliability perspective to add a catch can into the mix. You're not it's, wrong. It's not something that we've had on our site. It's not something that we actively sell. But it is something that I see 2.8 owners actively investing into based on what they read on the forums and what their buddies are into and that kind of thing. Um, that is going to help aid to improve turbocharger health. Um, so, you know, as we are talking about the fifth recommendation, which is our turbo, the DT44, yeah. Um, you know, I try to tell guys like, hey, you know, uh, an, an S&B intake, right? The intake is smart to pair. I would prefer to pair it with than put that turbo on a stock intake, yeah. right? Um, but adding a catch can into the mix, it, yes, it, it's added complexity to the install, but it's also going to help with, you know, how that engine breathes and what's getting ingested back into the motor and, and the turbo health altogether. So that's right. Alex, did you do a little research on some of the highest horsepower two eights out there? What'd you find? Actually, yeah. Um, the the one that I found at least recorded 
was a 460 horsepower build by Jags Pro Truck Performance in Zimmerman, Michigan. Oh, we know Jags. Yeah, 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 we've had them on the show. Um, They've competed in UCC. Good guys. This build was insane. Um, front to back, the first thing that they ended up doing for it, you know, uh, screaming diesel compound kit set up for a 2.8, which I didn't even know existed before doing a little bit of research it was, it was on this. It was a big splash when it came out. So they did that, doing injectors, um, you know, everything that you could think of on the surface level for these modifications. And they were getting close. I think they were in the 350, 380 range on their dyno. All of a sudden, uh, you can pretty much see it from what they're riding is, you know, rods are completely twisted up after this run. Uh, ended up getting a whole new block from GM, rebuilt this thing up to the ground up to what it is today. And I think that's really cool um, because, one, somebody had the dedication to blow up a 2.8 motor just to see how they could make it better. And we've seen, that. you know, yeah. we've seen that there's kind of been this um, unspoken rule here at Calibrated, like you don't take a three liter or a two point eight liter past three hundred horsepower, right? Yeah, three hundred is kind of like your limit, and it's more of a torque thing, not a horsepower thing. But with horsepower comes torque, um, you know. So you know, it's always been kind of like this nice combo, like you know, DT forty four intake and a tune, you could make two hundred eighty horsepower. You're just below the threshold of that three hundred, and and whatever that torque output comes out to, because of how quickly the torque ramps up is is main what you want to be steer away from yeah but uh you know we we saw something similar with um with the twin turbo truck that you know wc fab did years ago you know plucked a rod out the side of the block and the rest was history so i remember i remember making one of the first calls over to socal about uh their joint venture with carillo on getting a set of rods and i think to this day we still have a set of rods floating around somewhere (laughs) for a two eight there's just a box down in the shop on somebody's shelf and it's just not accounted for i already know it like we find random stuff in the shop from day to day from the moves and stuff like that so we have a set of rods floating around i know that for certain that's it. Call Chris, uh, extension 2121. <laughs> go, go ahead, get those ordered. Uh, we'll be moving them. Six to eight week lead times, we can't find them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's that's a lot of 2.8 liter stuff. We haven't yeah. really talked too much about the 2.8 in a while. No, no it's uh, nice to kind of revisit that. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, I get so caught up in all the newer platforms and all the, the cool stuff that we have going on. that. You know, you kind of take for granted. I mean, it's it's still a very popular platform. We do a ton with it. Um, you know, but just to go in depth and talk about it, something that uh, it's nice to kind of revisit. Absolutely. Well, guys, uh, for today, this has been Paul Wilson and Chris Hemke. And I'm Alex Hogg. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson and Chris Hemke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. So you're right. I'm sorry. First one in a truck. Okay. Um, I just like when you admit <laughs> I'm right. Such a bad. Awesome. I- <laughs> <laughs> it will never happen again. Uh,